Welcome everybody back to a new episode of the Game Ball Podcast. It is a very special one for us. This is episode 100 of the podcast proper. I know some of you out there might be a little nerds and saying it's episode 101 because of a spoiler cast, but that is not the main podcast, so it does not count. This is the 100th episode of this we've done, and I'm so glad that the three of us are still together here. Jen and Tom, we've made it. We did it. <laughs> Un- unreal. I can't believe we have made this little podcast has gone for four years. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Especially, you know, um, saying that this was just about video games in general. It's not like a specific thing, like how TC Tam is like a different movie every week, you know, and there's a focus goal. This is just our love of video games is essentially what got us to these 100th episode. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's, yep. uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. And uh, it's so much has happened since we did. Uh, well, E3 died between the beginning of our <laughs> podcast and, and episode 100. So we killed, we killed E3. That's what you can say. Yeah. Because yep. if you don't remember, our first podcast was June 17th, 2019 in the before times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, about E3 when I still watched every press conference and watched all the coverage and took notes. I still have that notepad. It's about a half a notepad full of notes from all those uh, like um, legal pads, like yellow legal pad full of notes um, from that. Um, so, yeah, it's been really, really interesting. But uh, before we get into this, because a special uh, topic at the end... Um, you know, for those of you that have been here since the beginning with all of our Retro Roulette games, um, just give you a little teaser. We are put together the top 10 games, um, you know, consensus among us that we have played. Um, you know, there might be some left off. There might be some on here. There might have been, you know, some of your, your personal favorites. That's what the Discord and Twitter's for, so feel free to reach out. Um, but for now, what have you guys been playing? Uh, we'll start with Tom. I've been rather light on what I've been playing just because I beat a game and generally when that happens I go on like a a, a mini hiatus because <laughs> I have to recollect myself to get back into another game but I have been playing the show uh it it's been a nice little palate cleanser before I start playing something else uh I I like the little changes they made this year I know it's one of those yearly games, so everything's mostly the same, but they did make some slight changes to how the hitting works and, and different things, but overall, I'm enjoying it a, a bit more than last year. Uh, but yeah, palate cleanser, because I need to beat a certain game in about two weeks. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going Hell on yeah. a plane on Sunday, so I'm hoping in those two hours or whatever I'm on the plane that I can beat uh breath of the wild <laughs> i have faith in you you could do good it good luck thank yeah. you i'm going <laughs> to try because i need to i would really like to beat it before um uh tears of the kingdom comes out it's uh because i i managed to pre-order that i was like yeah i'm not gonna pre-order this one i'm gonna wait but i i just pre-ordered it anyway so <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the next thing on my list oh yeah i'm waiting for my collector's edition to come in man (laughs) yeah so um yeah if that if that's it uh we can move on to jen jen what have you been up to 
Uh, so been playing a few things actually that uh, were, were older games that I'm bringing back into my life. Um, Phasmo, nothing new there, just dabbling in Phas. Um, we got a preview of um, more upcoming changes from the developers, but nothing has changed yet. Just kind of keeping everyone updated on like the ball rolling towards the game, going through major updates in the future. Um, I got back into Minecraft, which I don't understand how it happened because I actually, I think I know how it happened. I've been watching random videos on TikTok and sometimes the story time videos will have like a clip of someone playing Minecraft and like running through an obstacle course while the story is going. And I think it just kind of stuck in my brain after watching so many of these videos that I started wanting to play Minecraft again. Gotcha. Um, yeah, but our friend Death Comes, who was on one of our past episodes here on the podcast, he has a sub server on Twitch. So, so I um I jumped in there. I actually played it on on Game Vault Stream um a couple days ago, and it was fun. We're uh we're doing little projects, so nothing nothing crazy going on. But I forgot how much I miss it, and can already feel the time my free time slipping away back into <laughs> this game. Um. And in the same vein, I also got back into Ark a little bit. They are going to be resetting. I think they're going to be resetting the servers, doing some kind of major change. So um, we're not sure if our current game that we've been playing for the past year or so is going to stay or if we're going to start a new game when it when it updates. But um, just maintenance there, keeping my dinos alive and all that fun stuff. And then um, I got back into VHS, a.k.a. Video Horror Society. They released, um, I know I've mentioned this on past episodes, they released The Anomaly, who was very heavily inspired by The Thing. Um, I have come to the conclusion that I do not enjoy playing against The Anomaly because he's extremely overpowered. Um, I think I've mentioned this in the past too, but I'm reiterating it. He uh, turns into, as Mark said, Alex Mack goop. He Alex Macks. Um, so basically, if you're firing a weapon at him, he goops away and gets out of danger immediately. And then he could pop up under you, stun you, and hit you at the same time. Um, he can transform into your teammates and has no terror radius, so you don't know it's him. Um, and can instantly hit you coming out of that shape. Like, it's just, it's wild and crazy right now in VHS. Everyone's playing as the anomaly. Um, it's not, fun. Way, it's not I, fun. I I love the the verb, he gooped away. Yeah, he gooped yeah, away. Right. That's what, right. <laughs> what my friends and I play now. We just say like, oh, he's gooping, he's gooping. <laughs> Which probably sounds insane, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do love that for the split second, every time you say I'm into VHS, I'm like, oh, they got a VCR? <laughs> Before I remember. Yeah. <laughs> just for a split second, my brain. Yep, I get that. <laughs> But yeah, so um, that's been interesting. I did, however, pick up an adorable cosmetic. It is a sleeping puppy in a backpack that your character Aww. wears. But then I realized that all of these monsters are heartless because they're coming up behind me and they're punching me in the back with my puppy in my backpack. So what does that have to say about these monster players? I don't know. I was I'm hoping it would be fine. extra defense, but yeah, it's not working. Nope. Um, so that's been fun, <laughs> aside from Anomaly. And then I'm playing Seven Days to Die still. I have a sub server on Twitch. Um, we're currently trying to build a tank. We have a couple mm -hmm. mods that we're playing around with. So I'm trying to build a tank. I'd like to build a helicopter. And we're also going to be building a zombie trap with a giant metal fan blade at the bottom to chop them up. 
So okay. yeah, we have a lot of plans going on in seven days. Uh, and then lastly, I've been playing Demonologist. It, like I said last time and the time before that, absolutely terrifies me. A bunch of incredible jump scares are happening. Um, no matter how many times I've played, I think I'm level 28 now. And it still scares the crap out of me every single time, even in certain areas where I know there's a potential for a specific jump scare and I know where I have to stand to trigger it. It still scares me. It's like, it's, it's ridiculous. And actually I've come across some new ones after playing the game for almost 60 hours at this point. So that's been amazing. I, um, I await the new jump scare video. Yes. yes I, it's, it's in the works. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I am that way in real life. You, I, you could walk in front of me, then tuck around the corner, and then jump out, and I'll still jump. Yeah, even though you know it's about to happen. Yeah, I know, I know where you went, and I know where you are, <laughs> but for some reason, yeah. Still gets you. It still gets me. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah, yeah. There's, I, there's this one part in the first house you ever unlock as a brand new player. And if you walk from the kitchen to the back hallway... Once you hit a certain threshold, there's a chance that a little ghost child is going to run across the hallway really fast laughing, but there's also like a loud bang or something in the background that's supposed to scare you. Yeah. And every time I'm about I'm about to do it, I tell myself, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And it still scares me. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, so yeah like a big I, old nope for me. Yeah, big old nope. Um, yeah. It's definitely scarier than Phasmo. And a lot of people are starting to say better. Which is interesting. I don't think it's better. Um, but if they continue to update and add new maps and tools and make improvements, who knows? Which is a lot coming from me. So, but yeah, that's that's it. Just those few. Most of them are old. Just one newish one. Yeah. As for me, if you guys watch the uh, Game Ball podcast on the Game Ball uh, stream on Tuesday, um, I played Roblox. I saw that. Um, and... Yeah, so I will say one thing. It has improved since the last time uh, Kitty Ashcat forced me to play it. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> forced you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th this time was like she finally wore me down for this. That's fine. Um, to do this. Um, so before it was like very like, like it felt like Flash games. Um, you know, the first time these are a little more intricate. Um, probably because obviously technology advanced and people have learned how to do things with dreams and stuff as well. So it probably, you know, improved the way people make games. But uh, the fun part was how excited she was to show me everything. Um, so we played a game that I think you might actually get a kick out of once or twice, or maybe your stream will, Jen. Yeah, what's um, that? It's called Doors. Oh, she already told me about that, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's like 100 doors you go through, but there's like an entity you got to hide mm -hmm. and you got to keep light sources like, a, you know, for when it goes dark and all this stuff. So, you know, very low end in terms of um, narrative from the stuff you play, but mm -hmm. still would be kind of fun um, to go through. Then we played this jump scare game, which she's beaten a bunch of times. So it was just like her going, don't look, don't look. <laughs> um, just protecting you. Yeah, and then I was walking up to all the because these dummies would like pop up out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, sort of supposed to scare you, even though they're not moving. So every time they did, I would run up to them and go hug. <laughs> Real big. Um, so that was a fun night. We played a samurai game where we um one on one fought each other. Um, 
you know, you get all these different weapons around a map and then you do one-on-one um, fighting. I ended up, uh, she ended up beating me seven to six. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, well, she knew the buttons. So um, <laughs> that helped. And also um, she's actually good at it. I'm not, I'm not downplaying her, but it was like, oh, okay. This, there's like a, a pattern to how these weapons work. Um, and, you know, so that was a fun night playing Roblox. Um, I'll probably might do it a couple more times with her, but I'm not going to, um, you know, uh, I can't think of many other games. She's like, there's all these girly and princess games. If you want to play, I'm like, you wanted me to do this stream. So whatever you want to play. <laughs> um, so we'll see. Maybe that fun stuff will come up. But um, besides that, um, I played a little bit of Civ, uh, Civ 6, got back into that. Nice. Um, uh, basically getting my ass kicked, but still alive. Um, I don't know. I think I forgot how to play it and just got behind, you know, um, in terms of research and building armies and stuff like that. And my sieve is real small and all that. But, um, yeah, it's fun. I, I can play that game forever. I, I was up till three in the morning on a work night, um, playing it because I was, it's just, it's just one of those games. One more turn, one more turn. I'll just do one more turn. Yeah. That yeah. game's addicting. It's a very uh, easy game to get sh- sucked into for sure. Yeah. So, so I still have to finish that. I'm on like turn 320. Um, and then the main thing I've been playing, surprisingly, as Tom mentioned the show, um, I got into playing NHL 23 because it became free on Game Pass. Um, and it's actually a decent game. Can, like the bar is real low <laughs> on where NHL's been. Um, so it's a functional game. And the fact that They've made a couple of improvements that I like, and I'll talk about them real fast. I know we, we're trying not to get this segment to drag on, um, but they made it um, so it didn't feel like every time you scored a goal, you ran into the goalie right afterwards, like completely unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so now your guys stop and try and shoot in front of the goalie like they do in real life um, because they have it's this new mechanic. Every time. Yeah, yeah. So you got it's a new mechanic where you sort of fight for position in front of the goalie. Um, and the only downside to it is it kind of feels like a vacuum. Sometimes you get sucked into the defender, um, and can't, can't do anything. Um, but it's an improvement over the way goal scoring used to be. And, um, yeah. And the, the passing's a lot better, um, in that because of this new thing where not everything's a physics object, um, you know, you can, you can get passes off, uh, a, a little bit easier and stuff like that. Goals seem much more realistic. They're not just like your goalies are still giving up glitch goals, but it's not like, you know, a puck that shouldn't go through just sort of slides through his legs for no reason. Um, and the uh, and just the AI seems better. But yeah, I've been playing a lot of that game um, while watching, having uh, videos of uh, people playing through like long playthroughs of RPGs on in the background. Um so yeah, that's why I've mostly been playing. Um, upset that the uh, Pixel Remasters that for some reason I'm not in Wave Two. Uh, I'm not getting it until after Tears of the Kingdom. So um, good luck me playing that anytime soon. It gives um, you it gives you something to look forward to. Yeah, so I'll get it at the end of the month. Now it's at the 27th at the latest. Um, and then I got Tears of the Kingdom next week. So I still got to beat RE4. Don't know if I'll do that beforehand. Same thing happened the first time I played RE4. Got to the island. Got a little bit through the island and then took like a six month break with the original game <laughs> before going back and finishing. It looks like it's going to happen again, but yeah, yeah, that's about 
That's about all I played. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming up that we're going to be talking about here over okay. the next month. Um, and I'm and I haven't even bought Horizon DLC, which I am definitely going to do. All right. So Jen, yes. Do you have any news? Because I know there's a big one I want to talk about that I don't know if it's in your pile. So yep. I'll let you go through. I think potentially the big one might be the first thing I'm going to talk about. Okay, go ahead. But we'll see. Um, <clears throat> so first up on my list, uh, on April 26th, the UK's Competition yep. and Markets Authority, yep, the CMA, has made the decision to block Microsoft's $68.7 billion deal to acquire Activision Blizzard. So you guys have been following this story with us over the past couple of months. So here's a big update. Um, as we know by now, this decision has come after months of analyzing 3 million Microsoft and Activision documents and more than 2,100 emails from the public. Um, but the CMA has concluded that the deal could, quote, alter the future of the fast-growing cloud gaming market, leading to reduced innovation and less choice for UK gamers over the years to come. Um, so they also reiterated that currently Microsoft controls about 60 to 70% of global cloud gaming services, and that adding control over Call of Duty, Overwatch, and World of Warcraft through Activision would give Microsoft too much control over the global cloud gaming service market. Um, and then they also kind of added that even though Microsoft proposed cloud gaming deals um, with like Boosteroid and NVIDIA um, and will be allowing Xbox PC games to run on these rival cloud gaming services, uh, they didn't think that they were good enough deals. They said that there are several significant shortcomings related to the deals. Um, there wasn't too much details behind that, but... Basically, I guess they were kind of saying, like, we're seeing through your deals. Like, you're just kind of doing this to get everyone to be on board with the merger, and we don't like it. So um, Microsoft's CEO, Phil Spencer, he commented on the situation and says that they do plan to appeal the decision and that they were overall disappointed in the CMA's ruling, obviously. Um, you know, he mentioned that they've been talking with the CMA for nearly a year and feels like they're over-exaggerating the cloud gaming market as being much more powerful than it actually is. Um, so basically, he's saying that their stance that Microsoft is going to dominate competition by controlling the market really doesn't hold up. Um, and then yeah. he also reiterated that they plan on moving forward with their overall strategy, even if they can't acquire Activision, because they consider them an accelerant, not the key to their strategy. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah, my... I wouldn't be upset with the CMA's ruling if they did rule to block it. You know, there are probably other reasons you could have. But the cloud gaming, it's probably the biggest stretch, in my opinion. Um, maybe I'm wrong and don't really understand it. But no, I, I, I agree with that just for the yeah. mere fact that Sony has tried and is has not done a very good job of implementing a cloud gaming service. Yeah, my, my my more point is that you see something like I saw some stats like Amazon Luna, which is a thing still apparently, mm -hmm. and and like um, you can't count Stadia because they get they, Stadia. I know, no, but, but they yeah. probably are. They're probably thinking, oh, well, they they sh they managed to make these other things shut down, but Stadia is a Google thing, and it was yeah. gonna yeah, fail yeah. anyway. The Luna thing I I was mentioning is that. You know, Amazon, if you have Prime, you can, like, get Luna for free and be able to play, like, Fortnite. You know, like, there's all kinds of cloud services that other people have that has much more of a deeper gamer base than Xbox 
you know, could have. Um, I just think it's a weak argument. I don't know yeah. if they'll win or lose the um, appeal on this. Um, I think it very much feels like um, Sony having some inroads in Europe. Um, yeah, that's, probably that's helps what I here. was thinking. Is they, mm. Sony, Sony knows a guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, you know, um, it, th- to be honest, the... The only thing that I'm concerned about in this whole deal, which is why whether it's Microsoft or anybody else buys Activision, um, is I just want Bobby Kotick to not have a job anymore, um, essentially. So it doesn't matter either way. It was just, you know, Microsoft was closest to doing it. So I think that's why I was pushing it over. But I just wish the CMA gave me more of a reason to, uh, if they would have said Monopoly or anything like that, I'm like, okay, that's a little bit stronger of an argument. They're going to have control over all these you know, you know, point out the mobile market that they're going to have King for Christ's sake, um, rather than focusing on Call of Duty, which is the thing that that blows my mind is that through all this, there nobody's even looking at Candy Crush um, uh, for for any of this. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, to be honest, Microsoft has bigger problems on its hands. Um, I don't know if that'll make any of your stories, but I will bring. Um, uh, some things up at the end, um, if not, but yeah, they, they want to get this through. Um, uh, but they got some other, uh, things that, um, happened, uh, that they might need to focus on right now. So, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, uh, we look forward to the EU handing down its decision. Um, apparently in a couple weeks by May 22nd, I think. Everything's in the FTC. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's okay. The FTC is going to be having the first hearing in August, so it's this is going to still be going on. So we'll have more to discuss. I'm yeah, sure. the weird the weird thing is is they'll have to probably sign some kind of extension because the deal had to go through by June, mm-hmm. um, because the one year mark. Um, so I guess they'll get an extension because of the FTC thing um, right. for that. But yeah, that's why Europe is. Is is was getting in by June. America just doesn't care, apparently. <laughs> no, not really, apparently. So yeah, more to come on that soon, I'm sure. Um, moving on, Fortnite, speaking of, is now an official Olympic esport and will be part of the inaugural inaugural Olympic Esports Week lineup. Um, so the event is gonna take place on June 24th in Singapore. It's gonna be a four-day festival of virtual sports and gaming. Um, it was created by the International Olympics Committee and is going to be virtually held on a Fortnite creative island that is being made just for the event. Um, it's going to have 12 players from the Fortnite Champion Series competing against one another in like a sharp shooting style competition, which is going to be backed by the International Shooting Sport Federation. So interesting. Um, along with Fortnite, we're also going to see Gran Turismo, Just Dance, Z Wift or Zwift cycling, I'm not sure how to say it, and web chess. And then there are also going to be digital takes on archery, baseball, sailing, taekwondo, and tennis. Um, and this is this is all part of initi- an initiative to connect gaming with esports communities. So um, if you'd like to see it live and you obviously can't make it to Singapore, like many of us can't, you can tune in through the official Olympics website and they'll also be showing feeds of it through their social media channels. So interesting. Fortnite is literally going to be everywhere soon. That's wild. Yeah. It's wild that so someone could possibly win a gold medal for playing (laughs) Fortnite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yep. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is really insane. So we'll uh, we'll probably touch base on on that when it happens or after it happens. Um, moving on, a short little happy story. After weeks of sitting at the top of the box office domestically, the Super Mario Brothers movie has officially made one billion dollars worldwide. Yeah, um, I think it's thought it wouldn't make any money. <laughs> right. This not only makes it the fifth pandemic era movie to cross the one billion dollar mark, but it is now the most financially successful video game movie ever, which more than doubles the money made by the second place movie, which was the live action World of Warcraft movie. So that didn't break five hundred million dollars. Yeah. So it's pretty insane. Yeah, yeah. Cause uh yeah, that did that did gangbusters in China. I'm shocked that Sonic's not up there, to be honest. I don't remember. I think it was obviously Super Mario and then um, Warcraft. And then I think Detective Pikachu was number three. Hmm, I don't remember what the other ones were. Um, Pokemon Pokemon is bigger than Sonic. Yeah. As, as, as sure. much as that pains me, <laughs> Pokemon has, is still like one of the biggest brands in the world. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And World of Warcraft, yeah, their, uh, their China base is huge. Yeah. Yeah. I guess just because of the whole thing where Sonic was the last $100 million movie since it came out right before the pandemic. Yeah. It's probably why I thought it was higher with overall gross. But yeah, that movie is, like I said, it was like three or four weeks atop the box office. Might even still be there because nothing else really come out. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's like I've been saying to everybody, the reason why it's going to do so well is because there's only two kinds of people that will like that movie. Those that like Mario and those that, that are children. Um, and in some cases, there's a mixture of the two. And then they go see it multiple times because that's what kids do. Or if you want to go see it without your kids, yeah. um, depending on. So it's just, they're definitely going to do another one. I mean, that was awesome opening weekend. But I just hope they don't go too crazy too quick and try and do like a cinematic universe. Um, let's just see if you can retain the audience for the second one. Sure. Yeah. Um, before doing that. But yeah, yeah. It, it's a crazy numbers that's been put out. Yeah. And I just, I pulled up really quickly um, the highest grossing video game film adaptations list just because I feel like it would be interesting. So aside from the top three that I mentioned, Rampage is number four. Um, and then Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is number five. Yeah. Because so yeah, the other one came first out one is got number hit by nine. the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. The first one is uh, number nine. And then Resident right. Evil, the final chapter was 10. I forgot so. Rampage even came out. Yeah, I actually never saw Rampage. I don't think it's a rock movie. It's yeah. the rock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. So yeah, it's such yeah. a weird premise for a movie. Anyway, yeah, mm -hmm. considering there's a Gran Turismo movie coming out. There's yeah, so it's many actually based on things the true story. Out. The Gran Turismo. Well, yeah, that's that's interesting, but they yeah. they came out with a Tetris movie and now there's a Gran Turismo. It's just weird. Yeah, yeah. The Gran Turismo, if you don't know, for those of you there um it's it's based on an actual race car driver that was like one of the best gran turismo players in the world and then transitioned into a race car driver that's cool um, from it so that's why david harbour has that weird line in the trailer where he goes you know you can't die in a video game but you can die out here. <laughs> um this sort of thing i guess but it's just really weird in the trailer but yeah that gran turismo movie has a chance to you know um either be I don't think it's going to do Mario stuff, but it, it has very much a chance to flop just because it's kind of it's kind of hard to get people to watch it. Yeah, you know? when they don't know the premise. 
Yeah. I mean, David Harbour is very popular, so maybe they're hoping he's going to, you know, save it or make it easier for people to want to watch. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, I think everything, I feel like everything is slowly starting to be turned into a movie. So interesting True. stuff. Um, and then the last thing that I had before Mark mentions his view, um, we, I believe we mentioned this briefly on a past episode, uh, but the World Video Game Hall of Fame has inducted four new titles Ooh. officially. Um, yeah, I didn't see the update to this. Yes. So these games are going to be able to be viewed when the hall opens officially on June 30th. It's going to be an expansion to the New York-based museum called The Strong. Um, so I'm going to quickly list the games inducted and then uh, The Strong's collective reasoning behind the choices. So I thought this was pretty interesting. So first, no surprise, The Last of Us has made it in. Um, this was based on the fact that it remains so hugely popular still to this day, thanks to the quality of gameplay and the strength of its story. Um, the Strong also noted that HBO's recent TV adaptation was, quote, one of the best video game adaptations ever made. So I'm not surprised that one made it in. I think this was one of our guesses when we talked about it, that it should probably make yeah. it. Um, Next up is Barbie Fashion Designer. This was a 1996 CD-ROM, in case you didn't know. Um, and this was inducted because it was a, quote, jumping off point for the girls' games movement that sparked debate over the consequences of gendering games. So that one yeah, made I mean, it in. That makes sense. I mean, people will probably be pissed off about it, but hey, that it started something that no one knew that it was going to happen. Yeah. At that point, games were only marketed to boys and teenagers there was not a girls game market right yeah definitely um next up was computer space this was a 1971 arcade game um and they inducted yeah. it because it laid the foundations for the gaming industry by showing games could reach paying audiences outside of computer labs so that was yeah, that's an old one. old yeah. game yeah um and then lastly again no surprise i think this was also one of the ones that we were um thinking was going to make it and that's Wii Sports um and this was based on its true influence that it had over people which spoke volumes even more than its actual sales did because quote it made gamers out of millions of people around the world who never thought about playing a video game before yeah. we mentioned that so many times right in our, in our past yeah. episodes so very cool um congratulations to all the games i think they're all very well you know well deserved to be put into the World Video Game Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, there's only, you know, there's a couple arguments you can make for other games, um, and depending on how you feel about, you know, um, you know, the Barbie one um, there, but, you know, it, it's, a, well, most of these will get in anyway, so it'll just take a few years, but, you know, I guess the only glaring admission people say is, is, is unless it's already in there or something, I forgot um, I forgot if it was on the list, like Super Mario or something like that. Um, something that was like NES um, consequential. But yeah, I have no argument with those choices um, yep. there. But um, yeah, it's always it's always interesting to see Hall of Fames, um, you know, because these are this is probably legitimate Hall of Fame because, you know, it's real things people made. You know, it's not like arguing over the uh, fake Hall of Fame in WWE. But um, <laughs> You know, I love Hall of Fame debates because um, it makes me laugh every time someone gets mad about somebody and always says the very dad line. And I know Tom's going to agree with this. It's not the Hall of Very Good. 
That's uh, right. God. <laughs> it's the Hall of Average. Yeah. <laughs> the Hall of Meh. Yeah, it's it's the any time a player that a dad doesn't know gets into the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's like, oh, that guy's not a Hall of Famer. It's any all these people and they become the Hall of Very Good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm sure video games won't have any kind of online debate, Jen. Nope, not at all. Nope, not never. at all. Everyone never. always agrees on video games. Yep, especially uh, when the term girl gamers are involved. Yeah, um, I'm sure they're all in oh, agreement. There's never yep. a problem ever there. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Equality all around. Yep. Uh, yeah. So um, as Jen mentioned, my quick thing, um, because this just happened with a release this week. Um, I don't know what the fuck went on with Redfall, to be honest. Like, uh, a lot that... of bu- it was a lot of bugs and a lot of just yeah. not not good gameplay. Yeah, like, my thing is, how did it get released in that state? Like, some of the videos and stuff that people are sending out there, it's like, there are so many things that should have been caught in QA. Like, bugs are, I play enough Bethesda games, like, you know, to know bugs happen and things like that. But some of this stuff, it's like little minor things. It's all guy saying in the clip where to jump into a, a car you know, if you jump forward, you couldn't get over the lip. But if you jump backwards, you could get in. And yeah. I'm like, how 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 did someone catch that? You know, um, and sometimes the zombies just getting frozen or zombies, Jesus, the vampires just kind of disappear. Like this one guy had a video of where a vampire jumped at him and then froze and he could walk through him <laughs> like he wasn't there. Um, and then yes. there's key posing vampires all over the place. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just a like, mess, to say the it, least. It's it's the worst I've seen in a long time. Um, it's like NBA Elite Eleven levels of just T posing um, <laughs> everywhere. That's the you know last NBA Live game before they went away for like five years. Um, it's just a shame because Arcane makes really good games. Um, but everything I've seen, like I downloaded for Game Pass, so I'm going to give it you know a shot. Um, but it's just I I saw all the coverage and the videos and. People that I know are impartial a lot, you know, and aren't fanboys one way or the other were like completely like, like not trashing the people. It's just like, you know, the higher ups involved, like, how didn't you let them delay this again? Like, this is, this is just bad. <laughs> like, it's, it's the, it's the Miyamoto thing, you know? Yep. Yeah. Delay sure. four more months, you know, or whatever. Well, it's it's yeah. the, it's just the nature of the beast these days. Mm-hmm. Put it, put a date on it, and we'll push out a patch, a patch if we have to. Yeah, it's it's not like the Jedi Survivor or Survive, whatever that one's called. Um, I keep wanting to call it Fallen Survivor, but that, <laughs> um, that's mixing the two games together. Um, yeah, so you know they have like they're fixing some stuff, but it's all like like the frame rate isn't consistent. You know, not in a bad way, but every so often it'll drop below 60, not even 30, you know, and they're like, oh, we got a patch coming. Like, that stuff's fine. But this is just like if you turn the POV up too high, it tells you you're going to have bad frame rate. I'm like, that really shouldn't happen on console. Like, it's just weird. I just want to mention it because, you know, it's just it's it's one of those rare occurrences um, where a game from a big studio like this, you know, just comes out and. I mean, Cyberpunk's the last one, but that was that was 100% seemed to be driven by Hype. stockholders more than the developers. I don't see any 
like I haven't heard anything if like Microsoft forced them to put this out because even even Phil Spencer was like, I apologize on <laughs> an interview he did, you know, for the game. But yeah, it's it's weird. The whole thing is weird. So I'm not really sure why it's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just the lack of delaying it is the thing. Like, you know, you would think people have learned from, you know, cyberpunk to do. No, so. no nobody has learned a thing. <laughs> Apparently. But anyway, I just wanted to, to rant on that because I was kind of looking forward to this game and then just seeing, you know, all the problems and the fact that, you know, even though it is single player, it's very much written to be a multiplayer game. Um, because everybody I read said, unless if you play this one character, single player is nearly impossible um, for a while. Um, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's Redfall. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully they already got out in front for Starfield. And Phil Spencer was like, I guarantee you Starfield will run at 60. <laughs> yeah. They're like, please, God, just give it a chance. Yeah, because he did an interview with Kind of Funny. Um, oh, okay. Craig Miller. And he's like, yes, yeah, yeah, I'm being a little more desperate. Yes, we'll show you Starfield will run at 60, you know, because that's the first thing people got worried about, you know. Yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed for that Starfield game. But yeah, there's not anything else. Um, I think it is time to move on to our topic. Um, So since this is our 100th episode, um, the idea came about, we were bouncing around a bunch of things to do. Um, you know, and then I fell on the idea of doing a clip show. So here's from episode 36. No, I'm just kidding. I ain't going to do that much work for this podcast. That's way um, too much work, Mark. <laughs> that would be insane. <laughs> oh, man. I was planning that bit for a while. Um, so our real topic is, um, we're going to do, we all gave a list for our top 10 retro like games that we played of the... 100 we played um and then we kind of came to a consensus list based on sort of like how they do you know mvp voting and stuff in sports you know you got points for being on everybody's card and then if then there were three spots that we didn't match up on so we kind of um i think it's three yes three three. spots um so and then we kind of just talked it over um to come up with the the three games that we're all comfortable with for for those final three spots um uh, we did have one honorable mention. I want to mention, I want to say off the top, um, we played three Legend of Zelda games. Um, so we couldn't really pick one of them. Um, and I didn't feel it was right to, you know, just put three games as one into a category. Um, we we have sort of the extent that I would go to for another one that we did. Um, just because they're they're synonymous with each other, so um, they have to stay together. These three games, you know, we played uh, uh, Le- the original Legend of Zelda, Zelda Two, and Link's Awakening, um, and those are all three different games um, that while that um, are what's it called um, range wildly between each other in terms of our discussion and liking of them. Um, so we kind of put them in the honorable mention here because um, uh, you know we each like you know, parts of a different one or something like that. But um, just wanted to get that out there for people that did know. Um, yeah, so without further ado, um, I don't know if one of you guys want to just uh, get us started or any of your thoughts on uh, this crazy um, 
list of games that we had to go through. It was a rather crazy list of games, and there's so much more that we still have not played yet. Yeah. That it excites me and scares me at the same time because <laughs> there's a lot left to play. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think we did a pretty good job of coming up with 10 out of like 98 or whatever it is. Cause we, I don't think we did retro that for like the first two episodes, but yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I think it, it it's crazy to, to see the list, obviously, like you said, the, of what we played so far, but then like to realize there's so many more um, that we have to look forward to. So I'm excited yeah. for that. And uh, yeah. yeah, we, we struggled. We all took basically like our 10 picks and then narrowed it down to see what we had in common. And then like Mark said, you know, discuss the rest of it. So there were so many that we wish we could have added, but this episode would have been like 10 hours long. So we narrowed it down for everyone's sake. Yes. We're that, trying to keep it under, under three hours for everybody. That, that was a, that was against my wishes for those of you <laughs> yes, out there. Mark wanted to do a 24 hour podcast. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Long podcast fans out there say holla. <laughs> so I guess yeah. should we? Yeah. Uh, we kind of ranked it. We yeah. can go ten to well, one. I'm assuming first gen. Um, I don't know if it'd be better to do this here, but do we have anything from the Discord or Twitter? Yeah, do. Those. We have those. Yeah, I think we, we should do. do those first before getting into ours. Sure. Um, so we had a few listener responses we wanted to highlight uh, because we did put this out on Twitter and Discord. So we had one vote for Bionic Commando, and that was sent in by Dan. And he said he was picking this as his favorite retro roulette game that we've covered because it was a unique game at the time that it came out. So he enjoyed it um, from a game standpoint. But then he said, quote, I liked watching Jen beat the game and overall thought the gameplay was challenging but fun. So that is uh, what he had to say. And then Jonathan also sent in a response. He said that Parappa the Rapper was his favorite because the songs rule. And quote, I also loved watching Mark struggle through on easy only to find that you can't complete the game that way. <laughs> <laughs> so that was his response for us. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I, I think that happened in two games, right? It's that one and what? Jungle Was it Lion King? Yeah. It was Jungle, Jungle Book. Jungle Book, yeah. Oh my god. Ugh. Yeah, remember yep. me and you, Jen, for like yes. 15 minutes we're going. There I knew has it was to a be Disney something. Game. Can... Yeah. yeah, yeah, we were on the thing going. There has to be something I can grab here. Like this jump's impossible. <laughs> and then, and then you looked it up while I kept doing it, and you were like, "Yeah, so uh, there is a vine you're supposed to grab there, but they don't allow it on easy." Yeah, it was so like you're punishing done. you for oh, being on easy so mode. Weird. Very harsh, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think what we did with Lion King is I made myself invincible and ran through the game. Yeah, yep. We did find, yeah. uh, we found some some hacks. Yeah, yeah. Made it more Which we found out uh, before we get into our list. Or, or was it just John and Dan that had the good ones? Mm -hmm. Yep, John okay. and Dan. Um, we did find out on that hack of making yourself invincible that if the boulder hits you that chases you down one hill, yeah. it still kills you despite being <laughs> invincible. Yeah, it's not true invincibility. Yeah, <laughs> it's close. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I did the I did that thing. I'm like, oh, good. I was like, oh, I just missed this. It's okay. If it hits me on the way down, I'll just you know pop back up. And then it went to the game over screen. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Wait a second. Whoops. Uh, so yeah, yeah. That 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 I think that was the fun part of some games that didn't make this list was just finding out some of the you know fun little um, things that we didn't know at the time by 
you know, getting to like a half hour in and being like, that's about all. We Let's see if there's any cheats yep. to this <laughs> and then going through it. And um, one shout out before we get to the list. I love the fact that if we would have recorded it the way they like it to be recorded for speedrun.com, um, we could have submitted Tom's Cruise and World and he would have been like in the top 50 in the world for beating. It still, it still boggles my mind because I, I didn't even I didn't think I was doing that well. Yeah. And then all yeah. of a sudden we see that there's I I was like a top I was in a leaderboard. Who knew? Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, cool. I found out through the punch out stuff and when I first looked this up is that you need to record it in a certain way. Like you can't have um like anything going over top of it or certain things with borders and stuff like that. It's very so so you know, they can tell you're not cheating. I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, so, uh, who, who the hell? Who the hell knew? I didn't yeah. Exactly. I didn't think that was going to happen. So yeah. <laughs> it's still amazing. It um, is. <laughs> I think it was like a twenty-three minutes or something, Tom, or something. It was rather fast, and I would have been higher, but I missed. Yep. Winning a race by like a half a second. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> so let's uh, start off. Um, remember, this is um, just how it works. Is the just out of randomness, um, after discussing this list, uh, the bottom three are the three that were picked amongst the ones that only one of us picked. Um, then uh, four through seven are the one that two of us had on their list. Um, and then we rank those. Um, and then the top three are the ones that all three of us had on the list. And I think they may have been all of our five out of fives, or at least yeah. four and a half to five out of fives. Yeah. Um, so... So it's it's pretty easy um, to do that top half of the list. We did have some discussion up there, which we'll get to. But um, Sam, why, further, don't you, yeah, why don't you get us started on the number, number 10, 10 game? Because I feel yeah, like yeah. That number was mine 10. Anyway. This, yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. let Jen start down there. Okay. So the number 10 pick was um, the one that I threw in for, and that was Spyro the Dragon. Um this game, I remember playing it as a kid. This was one of the first games that got me into video games. And I still partially attribute this game as well to uh, to my love of open world games and exploration in games. Um, the music is amazing. It's re- really easy to pick it up. It's not like the first, you know, tutorial level, basically. Um, it's not dumbed down so much. We're like, I'm playing a little kid game because it, it, it just brings you through the game effortlessly. You learn how to play. There really wasn't a moment where, you know, I was extremely frustrated or struggled with anything, but it didn't feel overly easy playing it again as an adult either. Um, so just just a really all around great game. And I think you guys also got a lot of enjoyment out of it as well when we when we played it for Retro Roulette. Yeah, for sure. Um, Spyro was one of those games was a kind of a blind spot for me when it came out. But going back and playing it now as an adult, like you said, it was very easy to pick up. Uh, I didn't have like it, it, it. You could see where a lot of games stole things from it, which I guess is the mark of a good game. You know, when people try yeah. to copy you. But uh, but yeah, it was it was very groundbreaking for its time, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, um, uh, I believe I played this one on stream um, again. Platformer, so not not the most fun time for me. Uh, but what, what I, I did enjoy is that it did have, um, you know, some very straightforward, you know, you knew what you had to do, um, because it's caught the thon. There's some confusing things, but 
it was just because I didn't have the book, um, probably, um, at the time. But, yeah, camera is not great, but that's that era of video games. But overall, I could see, you know, if I had played that game, uh, you know, a lot when I was younger, I probably have enjoyed it, um, you know, more than more than I did coming back to it. Um, just because a lot of those games that have those weird quirks, you know, your N64, your PS1 games, if you haven't played them a lot and don't have a muscle memory to it, it kind of gets frustrating until you figure it out. Um, but yeah, yeah, Spyro is definitely one of those games that I would, you know, recommend. I would probably buy the HD collection, to be honest, um, before trying to play through my totally legitimate PS1 copy um, <laughs> that we did for this podcast. Uh, but yeah, overall, I agree. Um, of the games, you know, that we discussed and all that, um, Spyro was definitely one that I, you know, had a good had a good time with um, once I got past the initial um, frustration of, of that time period of gaming. All right, so move on to number nine. And Tom, I'll let you do this one. Sure, number nine is Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse for the Sega Genesis. Uh, this game was another one that, again, it was kind of a blind spot for me when I was a kid, and all I had ever heard about this game was it's one of the best Genesis games there is. And I didn't know if I was going to believe that or not, because it's a kitty game. You know, who? It's Mickey Mouse. It can't be that good. And then I played it, and I found out just how good it is. The music's great. The level design is is incredible. Uh, you're not going to find more variations in level design in, in many other games compared to this one. This one has everything. It's got a forest level. It's got a, a candy room level. It's got just about everything. Minus a water level. Sorry, Jen. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. I'll jump in. Um, this was also a game for me that I never played as a kid. Um, and I kind of regret not getting my hands on this sooner because like you said it's it's gorgeous it sounds great it's nostalgic for anyone that's a disney lover and it's just a lot of fun it's not overly difficult it has its moments of you're like oh i just need to get through this but it's it's a ton of fun to play it's something that um yeah i i guarantee if i played this when i was younger i would have spent hours on this game and probably replaying it a million times because it was just a lot of fun yeah, and this one falls exactly in the list, as Jen mentioned, that I was talking about with Spyro. Um, this was one of my favorite games growing up. I had it for Sega. Um, it was one of, like, three games we had to start because um, we got the pack in with Sonic. Um, that was the Gen 1 system I got with the little headphone volume slider on it. Um, and then we got NHL hockey um, uh, because it was my whole reason for begging um, for it because our neighbor had it. Um, for his Genesis, and then a family member bought this because going, Mark, you like Mickey? Um, sort of video game purchase there. Uh, so I played this a lot. Um, I probably enjoyed it a lot more than, um, you know, I would have just because I get frustrated with Sonic and I played this and it's a little more easier to grasp um, and the platforming isn't as difficult um, there. But yeah, yeah, this is one of the games that I showed my um my oldest niece not even not even kitty ash cat um and she instantly loved when they had the free demo um on ps3 um so yeah this game this game spans generations and um definitely since it's a 2d side scroller it's one that you can always go back to 
they tend to not get old unless if it's like one that was really bad when it first came out. As long as they are good and playable, um, you could probably play games like this forever. So I'm glad that it did make this list. It was one of my last cuts on my uh, top 10 that I handed in. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that it, it was left um, there for us to do. Yeah, I, I do have to say it did have some interesting uh, options, too. Uh, I love games that let you customize controls. And this was yeah. one of the first ones I had ever seen that allowed you to customize the controls for the Genesis controller. Yeah, essentially, I would think it's because since it was for kids, you know, you had to account for, you know, kids that maybe weren't as um, uh, flexible with their thumbs or, you know, if you have like two, three, four year olds, maybe they can't get from A to C to do something, um, especially in those bigger um, Gen 1 controllers. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, 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 it, it wasn't like NES where A and B were right next to each other. Um, <laughs> You know, it was it was a little bit different. Um, you could tell it was like evolution of games. Um, even Super Nintendo, the buttons were still close enough together that you didn't need to do it. Um, but yeah, yeah, this is one that I highly recommend for anyone that has kids. If you want to get them started on video games, if they like Mickey Mouse, it's an easy inroad um, to sort of see if they're if they're interested in these type of games. Um, yeah, yeah, glad, glad to see that we got to play it, show it off, and, and it made this. So, for number eight, I'll take this one, um, uh, because this was my choice from all the games. Um, as I said in my preamble to the uh, uh, honorable mention, um, we couldn't really decide between uh, Zelda games, uh, so we put that as its own mention at the beginning um, for the three of them. So, I had to go with uh, my choice here, um, which was Metal Gear Solid, um, the original game. Um, this was... The first game um, that I beat uh, without knowing anything about it. Um, I say that in that I beat Link to the Past, but I did also watch my father play all the way through it. Um, so I knew some of the stuff going in um, that you wouldn't know first time in. Um, so I don't really count that as the first game I beat. This one I rented from a blockbuster. I'll let that sink in. Um, <laughs> yes, we're old, Mark. We get it. <laughs> And thankfully, the Blockbuster um, printed the Merle codec on the back um, because that codec was only on the back of the game case. Um, so I rented from Blockbuster, and over two rental periods, um, I ended up beating the game. Um, thank God for memory cards because I wouldn't have been able to do it back in the day on cards um, unless if I got extremely lucky or <laughs> like or like put some kind of mark on it like you do with when you're cheating and playing cards. Um, but yeah, yeah. So first game I beat on my own without any help. I didn't look at slides or anything. Um, just beat it in six days, um, and it it led to my love of this series. Um, and it was one of the first games I asked for for my PlayStation Two when I got it. Um, when Metal Gear Solid Two came out, um, uh, all those years later, and I played through and beat every single one of them. And um, it's it's weird that we played, not weird, but we played the PS1 because that's what we do. We play the, the original one or whatever one Tom has. Um, but my recommendation would always be because at this point, it's a lot easier to just, you know, you know, don't listen to FBI, pirate this game, um, <laughs> then try and find it legitimately. Because for some reason, uh, Konami made it virtually impossible to get this game. Um, 
The other ones are all over. There's a Legacy collection. It has everything, but that's like weirdly overpriced now. Um, it, it's just this one that you have a problem getting for yes. some reason. So since you got to pirate it anyway, you might as- <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You might as well just get Twin Snakes for GameCube um, and play the more updated version graphics wise and with better cutscenes um, in it. Uh, just because of the technology getting better despite it being GameCube. Um, that would, since you're going to have download it anyway, I would just download that version and play it because Dolphin uh, probably emulates it much better than any PS1 emulator out there. Um, uh, I don't know, Mark. Mm-hmm. Duck Station is pretty damn good. Yeah, but um, yeah, the uh, and plus Twin Snakes, just like I said, it, it's sort of how they did the uh, when they did the Resident Evil remake. Um, for GameCube um, and up-res the PS1 to that. It, it had the same same effect on it. Um, but, yeah, either way is fine. The one thing to remember is, which is different than the other games, um, is that this is the only one where you have to stop completely to choke somebody. <laughs> like, you can't walk up, you can't be in motion and grab them. You have to plant and then push the choke button or else you throw them. That's like uh, that's like RE4. You can't shoot and walk at the same time. Yeah. So you can't walk and choke somebody at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> exactly. As we all know, that's the gun won't fire unless you're standing still. But that's um right. yeah, yeah. I would love to know your guys' opinion because um this series is, is so polarizing um until you get to like five or maybe even four, uh, because it's so heavily reliant on the stealth. Yeah, so Metal Gear Solid was one of those games that I didn't own the actual game when I was a kid. We had the demo on the Pizza Hut uh, demo disc, and it had the first level, like the up to the first boss battle. And we must have played that a hundred times, and it never got old because you could do it a different way every time. You didn't just have to do it the same exact way every time, which was interesting to me, and it was made the game more fun that you didn't have to follow the rules. You could kind of do what you want to do and you'd still be able to get through the game. Um, but the atmosphere, the graphics at the time, I mean, they, they were mind blowing. Uh, it was, it was, you could tell Kojima was trying to make a very cinematic game. And yeah. it was something you didn't see at the time. Games were kid, kitty things and they were not designed to be, um, you know, made for adults and this kind of seemed like it was more geared towards adults than kids yeah yeah tom i don't know if you still had that pizza demo disc was that the one where all the names were changed um because they didn't put the real actors names in there i don't remember okay it had that and it had gran turismo arcade mode on it i I know it had both of those i don't remember which which one exactly it was but I I i remember the story of david Hayter. Um, plays Solid Snake, um, uh, famous voice of him, um, uh, said that he was confused the first time he saw the demo because it had some weird name like next to his credit. Because um, in the beginning of Metal Gear Solid, it's just on the stream, they do like a movie-style credits thing, you know, with the actors' names, and they were all fake names in the de- in one not, of the demos. I did not know that. Well, yeah. it's, it's very possible because I was a kid. I didn't know the difference. Yeah, well, you wouldn't have known any of them at the time. Right. I, you know? At the time, I wouldn't have known the difference. So, but yeah, he said he was very confused the first time. 
that he saw the demo, like that uh, uh, Hideo sent him the demo and he put it in and he thought they just didn't credit him and he like got upset. But um, here he was just hiding it for reasons I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's a very interesting story with that. Um, so Jen, this opens with a semi-water level. So. Yes. Uh, honestly, this is another game. I feel like a lot of these um, started out for me like, wow, why didn't I play this sooner? Um, which is one of the best parts of Retrolet for me. Um, Metal, Metal Gear was a game that I knew about. I didn't know anything about it in terms of, you know, how good it was. or I would have played it when I was younger. But I, I just knew of its existence, and that's whatever to me, you know, until we played this on Retro Roulette. And I was like, why the hell did it take me so long to play this game? It is awesome. Um, and I totally agree. They were going for that cinematic vibe. For sure was not marketed towards kids specifically. It was just a ton of fun. And I remember being really into it. And I think you and Jonathan might have told me that I should play Twin Snakes if I really wanted to, you know, dedicate my time to the game. Um, I had a lot of fun playing this, so this was a no-brainer. You know, I'm very happy that I made this top 10 list for us. Okay. All right. So uh, number seven here. Um, I'll start out real fast and uh, since I talked a lot on the last one. But number seven here is uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out um, for the NES. Um, as you watch some of the streams when I tried to speed run, um, again, that'll probably be coming back later in the summer when I'm not having videographer as my second job um mm -hmm. because i have no time to practice ball ball but i made it all the way through on our stream uh to soda pop and passed him which as you may remember that was the sticking point that i only beat him once in 25 years then i figured out the speed run tactic for him and was angry for a week <laughs> because yeah. it is he is literally the second easiest fighter to beat in the game it because his pattern it's the same pattern it's do these two punches hold the duck button he goes down you hit him you get a star and then you do you you stop his next punch and then you hit him with the star punch and he goes down and you just do that three times and you beat him in under a minute 20 the first time i ever knocked him out was in the third round trying to fight him the old-fashioned way so i really love this game um it's one of those games i don't want to say polar trick but uh, yeah you know uh, yeah, my accent really messed up that word. Um, so, you know, not some kind of like party trick is probably an easier way to say it. Um, to where I could be playing with a bunch of family members and stuff, and they go, "Oh, punch out!" I remember that game, and then I just get it on and get all the way through Soda Pop in like under ten minutes, and they're like, "Whoa, what's going on?" So it's it's kind of fun to do that now that I've been practicing that stuff, but. This game is great. It's just all boss battles. It's 15 boss battles um, in it, with the ultimate boss being Mike Tyson. Um, and it is um, one of those playground things where you learn tips and tricks on the playground with it. Um, I don't know, Tom, if, if, if that happened with you, or maybe it's more family, but, you know, just the your engagement with this game. Yeah, I mean, it was very, it was one of those, it was in that era of uh we're, we're on the playground we're on the bus this is how you beat mike tyson this is how you get to mike tyson but you know only everybody said they beat mike tyson but you know nobody actually did but every everybody knew the first the first set of fighters uh when i was a kid i didn't realize that you could go much further than that i didn't realize there was like how many there's four there's four title 
rounds. There's, there's three divisions in Tyson. Yeah. So yeah, I did not know how far you could go when I was a kid because you'd get past that first set and then the second set, you'd get to the end and it would just get very difficult as a child. But uh, I mean, what an incredible game. This was, again, something that you had never seen before. Being Coming from the arcade to this, it was very interesting to see how they managed to make it uh, a home console game and how they managed to make a boxing game work from kind of a third person perspective. It was something very new. Uh, it, it had, it had uh, really good graphics. The characters obviously don't hold up as well. Now uh, uh, there's some problematic stuff, but it was, yeah. 19, it was 1987 or whatever it was. So it's, it was a different time. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed this game, and I I've really enjoyed it since I was a kid. So I'm really glad we got to play it on Retro Roulette, and I'm really glad that it's uh it's on our top ten list. Yeah. yeah, the fun the fun part before Jen speaks is that that the uh, offensive stuff or whatever you were saying caricature stuff is slightly worse than the Wii version. Because it is I, slightly worse than the Wii version. Yes, because I think when you punch Glass Joe in the Wii version, um, croissants come out. Um, <laughs> Wow. So, <laughs> as much as this was characteristic, somehow the one in the 2000s worse in that respect. So, <laughs> anyway, Jen. Yes. This is a perfect example, like I just said for my last one, of a game that I never would have played if we didn't play it on Retro Roulette. Um, it was, as you guys just mentioned, terrible character design at times. Um, other times hilarious. And it's just overall, I appreciated it for what it was, just as a boxing game. It was simple enough for me to get the hang of, which says something because I don't really play fighting games well. Um, you know, evading punches with some practice, like Mark mentioned as well, there's patterns that you can pick up on. I really liked the music. Um, I do remember getting through the first two fights Fairly easily. I don't remember in detail if I struggled a little bit or not, but I specifically remember the third fight and I don't remember who it was, but I remember getting very frustrated with that because it was tough for me. Yeah. Piston um, Honda 1 is always tough for people that have never played the game. Yeah. I had fun with it though. And uh, for what it was, I think I think it, it has a good spot on this list for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it's, it's the essence of video games boiled like boiled all the way down to like its purest form. Like I said, there's it's 15, it's just boss battles. And yeah, it'd be, it'd be like playing Dark Souls and just going boss after boss after boss after boss, you know, and nothing in between um, with it. And, you know, the fact that, you know, you have some repeat fighters and their things, the strategies to beat them change um, was pretty much ahead of its time. Um, you know, for that, the one cheeky thing that they do with the second bald bull fight is that he can only either be knocked down if you hit him on his bull charge uppercut um, or you hit him with a star punch as as the punch that knocks him down. Besides that, he doesn't go down. He dodges the punch and then regains energy. Um, so the first time you fight him and yeah. you don't know that, it becomes very frustrating. Yep. But yeah, I'm glad that you, you know, I, I was I was dreading when you were uh, playing this being one of those things of going, yeah, um, it took me three rounds to beat Glass Joe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's usually that that fight is like if you've played a video game before, you should be able to beat Glass Joe. Mm -hmm. Um, 
pretty easily. I mean, but that's what his name is there for, right? Yeah, he's one in ninety nine. Who's who's the one? <laughs> right, Tom. Who's the one in one in ninety nine? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I would not want to be that person. I think it's actually the guy from Super Punch Out. I think that's the thing, the Gabby J or whatever the first fight of. Oh, the first fighter of Super Punch Out. I think that's the guy that Glass Joe beat. Um, I think <laughs> that makes sense. That dude, the dude's yeah. super old, so it <laughs> yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I love this game. As, as you can tell, the streams of just playing it over and over and over again. I got into a pattern learning the speedrun tactics of just using a hotkey to just keep repeating fights whenever I fucked up and spent like 30 minutes learning, you know, one of the fighters. But yeah, it's a, it's a fun game. I recommend it for anyone. Make sure if you are going to emulate it, um, get Mike Tyson's punch out because um, I think it's easier to find and cheaper to find just a regular punch out without um, Tyson in it. Tyson's fight is still in it, I think, but it's like someone else. It's um, uh, Super Macho Man or it. Mr. Dream. It's Mr. Mr. Dream. Dream. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Just just love that game to death. And one of the fun things, it was a uh, Easter egg in the Mario movie. The, the phone number um, for the pizza place, the first seven digits uh, or the first three digits of the phone number start out with the 373 or 363, whatever, because I think those three numbers are the numbers in all the codes um so it was a nice nod in that movie to it um so we'll move on to number six um i'll let jen uh start out with this one what what came in at six sure so our number six pick is final fantasy 10 and um obviously final fantasy is near and dear to all of our hearts if you guys have been listening for more than three episodes i would say we probably mention it that much in general but final fantasy 10 personally for me was on my list um, it was the first Final Fantasy game I ever played, and I remember being absolutely captivated by this. I um, was friends with someone, and her dad was playing through it, and she was like, oh, oh let's go watch it. It's really pretty. It's, it's awesome. So I was like, okay. And I remember sitting there and just being like, oh my god, I didn't know that video games could be this beautiful. Like, it's cinematic. The music's great. I was in love with every aspect of this game, and I immediately was like, I need to get a PlayStation. I need to play this game. And I didn't because I couldn't afford one, <laughs> but I was so desperate to play this. And, and then finally I got to college and my friend had a PlayStation and I got to play it. And obviously fast forwarding, we got to do it on Retro Roulette. And it was just like reliving all of the things that I loved about the game over again. And it was so much fun. And I'm so glad that we got to, to do this on Retro Roulette. Um, it's just, yeah. oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And then, before I start, Jen, all I have to say is, ha, 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 <laughs> um, Yeah, for those of you who don't know, there's this really terrible, cringy laughing scene in the game, which is just a meme for the game. I hope they would have gotten it after that, Mark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, no, people may, have not, people may have not known what they're, they might have thought I was laughing at Jen, Tom. <laughs> but first, I, we need I, to laugh at Jen for three minutes. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. That's, you know, always got to pick on an Aquino on a podcast is what we do. Um, but in all seriousness, um, Final Fantasy uh, X was the uh, first one that I completed um, of them. Um, went back and finished the other ones after that. Um, yeah, this one, first time I played it, um, I got all the way up to 
what I didn't know at the time was the final boss, um, because the bosses after this is is nothing, um, especially at the level I was at, um, and couldn't beat it. And then when I replayed it a couple years later and got past, um, uh, well, it's been out a while, I can say, got past Jacked, um, you know, and found out that that was basically the end of the game. Um, that everything was was pretty easy after that made me a little bit mad. Um, but yeah, the game, the story of the game, um, it's pretty good. Um, not, not, not great by any means because, you know, there's a lot of tropey stuff and, you know, um, and just the, uh, the idea of some characters are, are not, are not great. But what I loved about it was that it had, it was one of the first ones that I realized and, and going back and watching other ones. I realized that they all had this for the most part. Um, it had like a little bit of a social commentary to it, um, where it was mostly like commentary on religion um, and sort of the way you Yevin worked. Um, and and at the time, I thought, you know, that, that was a pretty interesting thing for a game to tackle um, when I was playing through it the first time. And then I found out that most Final Fantasies have some kind of, um, you know, uh, statement on society in it you know, uh, avalanche or eco-terrorist, you know, or, you know, terrorist might be the wrong word, but you get, you get the point, you That's know, they're all they about, you know, saving, yeah, saving the environment, you know, that whole thing. And, you know, uh, eight is about dictators and nine, um, is about, uh, loving people that are different than you and sort of things like that. Um, so, and I think the part that was great about 10 was it was the first one with voice acting. Um, so that aforementioned laughing scene and a bunch of the other stuff just made very memorable characters um, come out of this and memorable lines. Um, like uh, 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 Kamari have small horn, um, you know, and, and just, just things like that. Um, and just having one of the most ridiculous and fun villains since probably Kefka um in in Seymour here um Sephiroth was a great villain not not an insane crazy like just the design of Seymour <laughs> compared to you know Sephiroth was cool and everybody wanted to be Sephiroth you looked at you looked at Seymour and was like the fuck is that weirdo um <laughs> and his hair and it's the same reaction you had to Kefka but they were both evil geniuses that kind of won a little bit and then you eventually come back and defeat them um and all that uh but yeah 10's a great game i would say that if you're starting off with um wanting to do turn-based final fantasies and you want to see if you like them um this is probably the one i would start with just because it has the simplest onboarding you know you don't really have to worry about materia and stuff like that um here it's a very you know spear grid system takes a little bit to learn but it's not like needing to learn all the extra stuff that comes with material even though that's probably a better system overall um and then if you like it through like the the tutorial then you'll probably like most of the turn-based final fantasies and i think that's the reason why this has been remastered so much um across the board um is that it's a great gateway into everything else um that they have uh but yeah yeah that's my thoughts um tom you know we know which one is a special place in your heart but but where does 10 fall yes yeah, so obviously 
if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that seven is my favorite. Uh, but ten is one of those ones that uh, came out when I was not not involved in gaming as much. And coming back to it now uh, makes me realize, man, I missed a lot of good stuff when I was not playing video games. And you could see where they were going with the Final Fantasy brand. They kind of wanted to, I don't want to say dumb it down, but they wanted to simplify and streamline the gameplay, which I I don't have a problem with. I think it, I still like the fact that it was turn-based. The music's great. It really they really pushed the boundaries of what the PS2 could do. And yeah. um, the story is very interesting. It's, it's, it's Final Fantasy finds a way to make what you would think is a mundane story about a guy playing soccer underwater into, into something interesting. And uh, I, I have to excuse me, Tom, have, what, what sport was that? It's, I know it's called blitz ball, but I Thank was coming it down for everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, yeah, Final Fantasy X, great game. We so I guess we should kind of I, we didn't mention this at the beginning, but we kind of put a limit on one game per series. That's why Final Fantasy X is the only one on here, um, and that's why you know we didn't want to put six different Super Mario Brothers games on here. So yeah, uh, that's why you're only hearing one game from each each yeah. uh, series go- yeah. going forward. Yeah, and, and again, that's why Zelda was an honorable mention, because we couldn't come to a consensus decision on one of them. So we were just like, let's give it its own thing at the beginning. This one we came, you know, me and Jen sort of had the two to one here um, for this. But yeah, out, out, out outside of them, I think, you know, essentially, I haven't beaten five yet, which is one of my um, goals with the Pixel remasters when they come in, is to sort of beat four through five. I mean, one through five. Um, but yeah, I think we played all of my favorites. Um, did we play nine? I think we played yes. nine. Okay. We played five, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Yeah. Yeah. So we played, you know, those four are probably my favorites. Um, and being two through five. Um, and then, you know, number one is six, which we, we haven't played. Um, so it was a nice, it's, it's a nice way to show you guys all the turn-based ones before they stopped really doing that, um, uh, going forward. Uh, so I'm glad, um, you know, that we played a lot of these games and it, um, and this one especially makes the list because it's, it's one that I think has a little bit more of a broader appeal as we've all said here. Um, you know, just because it's the, with it being voice acted, it's easier to understand the story and character motivations. Um, you know, for, for someone that didn't grow up with, like, text-based video games and, you know, in the, the battle system. Uh, the one thing that I liked about it um, is that it had the, it, it was, like, very, very, like, turn-turn-based in that it had the little thing of showing you who was next in order and you didn't have to wait for a bar to fill up um, to, to sort of strategize better. So that would help people, you know, that, that uh, need to focus like that, so... You know, ten is a great choice. Um, here it could have been any one of those Final Fantasies, but I think I think me and Jen especially like this one the best out of them. Um, so moving on, uh, number five as we get into the top five here, Tom, I'll let you lead off um, with uh, uh, what came in at number five here. So number five is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles four: 
Turtles in Time. Arguably one of the best arcade conversions mm-hmm. of all time. Uh, and pro- ar- arguably one of the best beat-em-ups of all time. Uh, we, I feel like we all really enjoyed this game. It's one of those games that you can pick up and play and you don't have to worry about, you know, getting all the way through it because it's it's an arcade game. It's designed to be picked up and played when whenever you can. It's going to be a quarter munch or at times, but uh, TMNT4 is a lot of fun. They did a really good job on the conversion. Um, music's great. Uh, all of the special moves you could do are great, uh, and it looks great. I mean, for the Super Nintendo, it really it really pushed the boundaries of what the Super Nintendo could do with Mode Seven and everything else. Throwing uh, throwing enemies into the screen, and a lot of interesting and fun mechanics to keep you wanting to continue on through a beat 'em up. Because sometimes beat 'em ups can get kind of stale and one-dimensional as you're going through them but tmnt4 definitely knew what they were doing yeah yeah and this was uh a game that i very much enjoyed um both in arcades and out of it um i think one of my favorite things is that um it allows you to beat most of the game i think you get one extra boss or something um if you don't play it on easy um so you know people can see the most part most of the game um, through and easy. I do enjoy um, looking back on it. I don't know if I had a different at the time when we did the game, but I do enjoy the splinter coming up and basically telling you to get good um, <laughs> after you beat the game on easy. Um, and it's kind of funny um, in, in that in retrospect, um, especially with the timing of this game coming out. Um, but yeah, yeah, Turtles in Time um, probably was my second uh game that i played i i had um t2 the arcade game for my nes um and then i played this and i think we all discovered the original turtles game and got to the point that shall not be named um and then turned back um from that but this was the one i think i played over and over again with friends uh, more than any of the other ones um it was a lot more um precise um in terms of its beat 'em up. Um didn't have as much of the weird trappings that two did. I guess it's the limitation of the NES over the uh Super Nintendo um in in that respect. But yeah, great game. Um I feel for those of you that only had a Genesis rely on Hyperstone Heist. Um we also played. Which we also played and notice is not on this list. Spoilers for the next four games. Um <laughs> but yeah this this game is 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 beat 'em up perfection um and probably one of my top three uh beat 'em up games um that I've ever played um we didn't play the other one for let so not on uh but yeah, yeah, if you haven't played this game, what are you doing? Try and play <laughs> it with friends if you can, if not at least play through it once um and so so Jen, I know. You have a big fan of these four green turtles in your home. Uh, yes. <laughs> what, what was it like playing um, Turtle in Time here? So this was a game that I actually had played, but only in an arcade um, prior to Retro Roulette. So, I mean, going into this, I really liked the game. Um, but after playing it at home again, I can say this is probably my favorite beat-em-up or one of one of my top, top favorites at the very least. Um, but I love playing it equally at home um 
I found it to be fun and challenging. The soundtrack is great. I think there's a really fun variation of different bosses in the game. It's just all over. It's a staple game that I feel like you should play. If you're, especially if you're trying to get into retro games, um, this is a really fun game. Um, and I'm, I'm very glad that it made our list as well. I think it's well-deserved at number five where it sits. Um, and I believe when we played this for Retroulette, I think Dan picked it up right after I was done <laughs> and like started playing it too. <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's a big TMNT fan. Um, I think this might be his favorite TMNT game, honestly. I'll have to ask him, but I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. So like I said, this is probably the one game on the where I am basically saying, um, you know, uh, play it immediately. Um, even though the top three um, are probably our consensus top games, this one you can pick up and play and just play with anyone um, immediately. So go right ahead. All right, so I'm going to pass number four along to Tom and Jen and let you talk about it as much as I enjoyed playing the um, I feel like this is a better topic for you guys to lead off, and then I'll just say my opinion at the end. So, if okay. you guys want to go ahead, um, all right, uh, Jenny, want you want to start this one? Yeah, sure. So, our number four, honestly, this was one where there are two games that we kind of were going back and forth on, and we settled on Kingdom Hearts one. Um, but obviously, Kingdom Hearts two was very close, <laughs> was very close in consideration. Um, basically Tom and I were talking about it and we both love these games so much and we both have so much nostalgia for them. Um, where we still decided that one edges out two a bit for us to make it to this list, just because one was more of a full complete game and two kind of branches into the third one. Um, so just, just by that tiny little bit of reasoning, it beat out kingdom hearts too. But I mean, I don't know where to begin, honestly, when I tell someone why I like Kingdom Hearts. I'm a huge Disney fan, first and foremost, so obviously that's a huge reason for me. But this is another one of those games that just captivated me and how beautiful it was. Um, the music is great. I love how it starts. You know, you're you're on this deserted island, and you know, you're you're learning how to play the games and getting used to the controls, and you're searching for things, and it's just such a pretty and fun game. Um, we talked about in one of our past episodes where, where we would want to live if we could live in a video game. And I believe we mentioned a couple of the different destinations between Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, um, because they're just so well designed, the different areas that you go to, obviously all the characters that you get to meet and play with or play against. Um, it's just a really good game. I mean, if you look at every single game in the series, they start getting more complex and, and all that but um kingdom hearts one is just it's it's a it's a masterpiece i think and if anyone out there has not played it i would definitely give it a go um it's 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 a very beautiful game and i know tom you agree as well this was one of the ones where we were both equally as obsessed i think yes for sure uh kingdom hearts was kind of my reintroduction to video games uh, as I mentioned on a previous podcast, but uh, the second I picked up Kingdom Hearts, I knew I was in for a ride. Uh, it had because even in the beginning, you where you you know you're not experienced, you don't have the Disney characters with you yet, and everything. It's just it just kind of whisks you away to a, mm -hmm. another another world, and that's that's kind of what video games are supposed to do. And this was the first one that really did it for me. It, 
in a long time when I first picked it up. And yes, like we were saying, uh, Kingdom Hearts 1, I feel like, is the most complete game. I feel like it it um, it stands alone by itself. It doesn't. It, if it was just Kingdom Hearts and that was it, that's all we ever got, I think I would have been okay with that. But Kingdom Hearts 2 is very much the second game in a trilogy. So it doesn't quite have the as good an ending. It doesn't quite wrap things up as nice. So that's kind of why we went with Kingdom Hearts 1. But also, Kingdom Hearts 1, much more simplistic game gameplay, much easier to get into. Obviously, now I would recommend you play any of the HD remasters just for the mere, uh, just for the camera controls. That was the one bad mm-hmm. thing about those games is that they didn't quite figure out how to use the right analog stick yet. Yeah. Which is kind of one of the reasons it's not higher on this list. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you have not played Kingdom Hearts 1 or 2, you need to go do that. Yeah, and for me, I am slightly upset that it took me so long to actually play these games uh, outside of the goofy story and stuff. Um, I will probably play the remasters um, over the first game. I think the thing that frustrated me and stopped me from playing through is just some of the um, quality of life stuff that they improved with the remasters. Um, and so probably if I do pick it back up, I will... Um, I'll probably start with those. Um, but yeah, these just just the, the crazy idea of what they did here um, is what really draws me in. Of um, it, I kind of maybe because I have some Super Mario RPG nostalgia of like um, taking a character, um, characters from other games and putting them in a whole different type of game. Um, it's not the same in terms of mashup, but just the idea of of, of you know, Disney characters, like Square getting a hold of Disney characters, um, felt the same way as them getting a hold of Nintendo characters. Um, and it just, it just makes for some really funny outcomes, you know, like the inside meme joke that the amount of damage Donald Duck does in his final spell at the end of, I think it's three, you know, is like, makes him the most powerful wizard in the history of Final Fantasy. Um, and that's just, that's just a funny sentence. Um, for me to say. So, um, yeah, these, this game, especially one, I had more fun. I, I will say this. I had more fun, despite it being weird and kind of slow, I had more fun with the intro to one than two. Two frustrated me a little bit, if you didn't realize it on stream. Um, so that's why I'm glad you guys chose one here, because it was definitely my favorite of the two I played um, in terms of that. Um, but, yeah. I'm just glad I finally got to play it, dip my toe in it a little bit um, here. So, yeah, maybe maybe more thoughts from me in the future if I actually do go through it. But, yeah, this one was definitely more of a uh, you, you two categories category <laughs> than, than, than me, um, especially Tom. Um, so, into our top three. So, just to let you know, these are the three games that we all agreed on. They were on yes, all we- of our list. I believe they were all five out of fives, or at least four and a half out of fives from us yeah. um, here. The only discussion we really had was between one and two, where it should be ranked. Um, and it was very close. And um, again, it came down to there being an odd number of us, you know, uh, two leaning towards one over the other. Um, is the only reason. But just to let you know, one and two are very, very close together. And you could make an argument for either one um, being in the other position. And none of us would really argue back. 
Um, so without further ado, let me start with number three, which may be one of my top five games of all time that I love here, um, which is Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Um, this was a game, if you notice me playing through the other Castlevanias, I didn't enjoy or play them much when I was younger because um, it frustrated me with the enemies and the Medusa heads and stuff like that. Um, but for some reason, when this game came out, it just it grabbed my attention and I played it all the way through. Um, it was one of the, obviously, it was the peak of 2D gaming um, in the sense um, with that. And I uh, just wish that PlayStation would have leaned more into stuff. Um, than some of the clunky 3D um, that they did. Not that they had to do all high-res 2D, but maybe lean a little more into it, um, you know, because of how well this game came out. Um, the, you know, leveling up and the different weapons and having the shop and, you know, the first of the Metroidvanias in the sense of, you know, Metroid very much had the, um, you know, you find something, go back to a location to now have access to it. And this just added Castlevania on top of that, um, uh, which just, you know, was, was the best of both worlds in terms of, of the storyline of Castlevania. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but like I said, five games of all time. I'm so glad that we got to play it here and I'm glad that we got to share it with everybody. I'm sure the vast majority of our audience has played this game, but if you have not, I'd recommend it. It still holds up today. And um, yeah, that's about it. Um, I don't know who wants um with this go ahead jen yeah um castlevania symphony of the night is by in my opinion the best castlevania game that i've played um this was one where you guys were so excited when we picked it you're like oh you're gonna love this we want to know what you have to say about this and i hadn't played it before i had heard great things about it um and it did not disappoint at all it was a ton of fun. It was challenging, but the kind of challenging that made me want to keep playing instead of just frustrating me into wanting to quit. Um, and I think it looked great. The music is amazing. Um, and one of the best parts about this game, I think, is the fact that it came out during the huge push into 3D gaming and it kicked ass being a 2D platformer. Um, the level design is really cool. It was, as I think Mark just mentioned, uh, sort of Metroidvania style. You're, you're exploring and you're getting stronger while you're exploring and you're making your own path through the game. And I think that's what makes it so much fun, among the other things that I said. It was it was really hard for me to stop playing this. I remember really enjoying this. Um, and yeah, well-deserved at the number three spot, I think. Yes, 100% agree. Uh... This was kind of the culmination of every Castlevania that they had they had uh, come up with before this. Uh, go, coming from Rondo of Blood to this, they just kind of kicked it into another gear. And with everything, the music, the all all of the the two D animation is just incredible. Uh, it was very interesting to finally get to play as a new character, and all of the RPG elements is really what sucked me in. Obviously, we're all RPG fans here, so mm -hmm. RPG elements in this type of game are is definitely going to help. And this game kind of has to be on here because if you look at ninety percent of the indie games that come out these days, they're all Metroidvanias and they're all copy this game and possibly another game we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Symphony of the Night. It's just a marvel for what they were able to on the PS One um, and. Yeah, it was one that didn't get its 
probably amongst uh, my friends, um, it's due until later. Like I was the one singing his praises um, and eventually got them to play because they were all into, you know, all the great 3D stuff um, going on, um, which is great. But yeah, Castlevania, Symphony Night, thumbs up. And um, perfectly leads us into number two, um, which was, like I said, the one that I fought for. Um, probably if I was ranking favorite games, this would probably fall in at number three. Um, but uh, number two on our list here is uh, Super Metroid. Um, we just played this recently um, for Retro Roulette, and we all gave it five stars. This game is one of a kind um, in terms of, at, at the time, obviously... As, as, as Tom said, a lot of the indie um, developers figured out that this type of game works really well. And if you do a 2Z side-scroller, you know, it's easy to get with limited resources. But at the time, being able to do the stuff you can do in this game, it had an in-game map, um, which was such an improvement over Metroid. Um, you know, just great bosses, um, great weapons, um, just the look of the game. Um, uh, the the great thing that happens at the end, um, which I'll let you guys talk and then we can decide if we um, want to spoil that, um, unless if you guys are going to play all the way through it. Um, and just in general, um, the fun thing about this game, I haven't tried it yet because um, I haven't played it as much as the other game, but the way the carts line up um, in terms of programming, um, you can do a randomizer that matches this and let and link to the past um their code matches up that you can blend the games together into a randomizer and put items from each game into the other game um as you're playing through it um so it's it's one of those games that has a whole new life the past got with, with the randomizer scene but yeah it's it's almost a perfect game in my opinion um and definitely one you could keep replaying um, because you can beat it with only getting a certain percentage of the map, um, you know, filled out um, and items picked up. But there's the elusive getting 101% um, on it um, because it gives you at the very end your your percentage completion um, when you beat it, um, which was probably one of the first of its kind um, at the time. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I couldn't say enough about this game, like I said. Um, it's 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 definitely one of those games that is on on the must play list. So uh, since Jen started out last time, Tom Super Metroid. Yes, Super Metroid, man. Uh, just like we've said a few times on here, it's one of those games that I don't understand why I didn't play it before. I mean, I know I didn't have a Super Nintendo growing up, but still, I feel like I should have known to play this game prior to this date. Uh, it really especially after playing Castlevania Symphony of the Night. It really had everything that you could possibly imagine in an adventure side-scrolling game. It had multiple weapons. It had uh, diverging paths. You can go different ways, and you have to do a lot of exploring, which is something that was not really common in 2D games. Well, I guess in 2D side-scrolling games, Obviously, in your Zeldas and, and things like that, there was more exploration. But if you were coming from, say, Contra or Mario, those things didn't really exist in in that type of game. So seeing Super Metroid take what Metroid did and just, like, 
just do everything better. Uh, it was really cool. And again, it's really cool that we had a female character that was awesome and has been around this long. Uh, Jen, I'm not sure. I, I'd love to hear your opinion on that. Yeah. Um, I, I love Samus so much um, for multiple reasons. She's actually one of my cosplay goals in both the Zero Suit and, you know, her full Metroid outfit. Um, the, this game is incredible. Uh, this might actually be the game I'm most mad at myself for not playing sooner um, if I had to pick one. Considering how old this game is, I think it's incredible how well it still holds up today. Um, I just, I really loved everything about the game starting out with the fact, obviously, that Samus is a badass chick. Um, the music is probably my second favorite thing about it. It's eerie and intense and like atmospheric and just so well done to the point where Dan and I will actually turn on the soundtrack sometimes when we're in the car and just listen to it and like vibe. <laughs> it's such a great game. Um, the side-scrolling exploration game style that you guys both mentioned with having the map to guide you is really helpful. And um, being able to return to the areas where you have upgrades finally to access new places, um, the map just comes in handy so much instead of having to draw out your own map, which can still get very confusing. Um, the controls I found to be really easy to pan responsive. Um, I didn't have any issues with the controls at all. Um, I enjoyed that it's pretty fast paced in general. Um, the bosses are crazy and very uniquely designed, wild. Um, they were tough, but not, you know, impossible. You could practice and get through some of the tougher battles. Just overall, everything about this game was incredible. And like you Market said, you know, we rated all rated this a five um, when we when we recently reviewed the game. It's just it's it's another masterpiece, and I would recommend this to anyone that enjoys video games in general. If you haven't played it, I would in, you know recommend at least picking it up and giving it a shot because it is it is a ton of fun. Yeah, and um, yeah, then yeah, so that so um, if if you haven't watched it through, just just make sure the the end of the game is pretty cute. Um, I don't know if. Uh, Jen, have you played all the way through it? I have not played all the way through okay. yet. Okay, so I won't ruin it for you because it's, it's kind of cute and um, fun, um, despite the fact that it's a twenty-nine-year-old game. Yeah, we're getting old. I mean, um, I did watch Dan. To be fair, I did watch Dan beat the game, but I don't remember the ending. So yeah, there, there's a thing I don't that happens mind either right way. It, okay, I'll spoil it. It's thirty years. So yeah, I feel like it's basically fair, fair basically in the point. final fight you were um, saved uh, by the Metroid that you saved in the first game mm -hmm. comes in as a big Metroid um, and saves you from the final boss um, there and sort of gives you like this um, invincibility power or whatever to like do the final hits on the boss and oh, it's just one of those that. moments like he sees you as his mother yeah yeah. You know, and it's kind of cute and like adorable. Really, like, like for a game of that time period to be able to convey that kind of emotion um, without having like a sound chip for voice and all that, yeah, um, was one of the things that really stuck with me over the years. Um, you know, it's, it's another thing that makes it a masterpiece in that um, you know it, it it rewards you for knowing the story um, and paying attention at the opening cutscene. Which was yep. one of the first um, ones of that length at the time. 
I mean, there's been cutscenes before. I mean, Ninja Gaiden has a really ridiculous cutscenes um, between each level. But um, yeah, yeah, they they really stuck the landing with everything here. So yeah, so uh, without further ado, um, let's get on up to number one. Um, and I'll let I think Jen hasn't let off in a while um, for something. So I'll let her. Um, she put this all together for us in our Discord channel. Um, announce our number one game. Okay, so our number one game is the incredible Super Mario 64. Um, this was a game that I feel like is another one that we've brought up continuously throughout our 100 episodes um, about how great it is. And for really good reason, um, it was a really, it was a really great, I think, transition into 3D gaming in general. Um, but this for me is like pure childhood nostalgia. Um, again, I've said this so many times, but this is one of the first video games I remember picking up and playing with my cousins at their house and just being blown away by like, oh, I can go wherever I want and like do whatever I want. And I loved all the characters and the music was great. And obviously started my love of water levels because I was obsessed with Jolly Roger Bay and probably played that more than any other level the entire game. Um, it's just, it's so much fun. I, I am still to this day just as frustrated with the ice luge race. <laughs> if you guys <laughs> caught Tom and I, um, we had uh, a purchase anniversary edition. So we wanted to do a live stream on Game Vault um, on Twitter, uh, on Twitch, excuse me. And uh, we did like a side by side where Tom was playing the original and I was playing the anniversary edition. And we were doing the the luge race, and I it was pathetic how many times I lost, and Dan came down and one shotted it for me, of course. Um, but the game is just great. Uh, it's it's has a ton of replayability. You don't have to sit there and beat the game. You play for a little bit and walk away if you want, or you sit there and burn a bunch of hours playing it. Um, there's so many ways to complete objectives. Uh, there's tricks to getting through the different levels if you if you want to figure them out or if you don't already know them um you know the the camera angles yes they're frustrating but it's almost it's almost forgivable because it's part of the game if that makes sense um it's just it's really really good and this was like instantly if you had to ask me my number one favorite game that we played this was instantly at the top of my mind so i'm curious to see what you guys have to say yeah i mean Super Mario 64 kind of revolutionized 3D gaming. Um, it was really the first game, I feel like, to do it right. Uh, there were games that tried to do 3D before this, and Nintendo really just knew what they were doing. When they, when they decided on what the controller was going to be, they said, we're going to build Super Mario 64 to work with this controller and work well. Granted, it has it has some quirks still with the camera, but such is all of these games. When you're the first, it's going to be difficult to uh, to make excuse me to make things work. But really, Super Mario sixty four it has such variety in levels and what and how you how you get through those levels. The power ups are totally different from any other Super Mario game. Um, just just the fact that like Metal Mario's in there and you it, you can just you know sink to the bottom of the of the of the water level and not have to worry about swimming because you're metal mario that's <laughs> something that we had never seen before and you know a lot of a lot of games use those power ups after that and yeah the music i 
the only this is the only game I will tolerate a water level because of the music in that level. Yeah, it's so perfect. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, so um Super Mario 64 is a game I played a whole lot. It was the game I got with my Nintendo 64, as probably we all did. Um the uh the fun thing is getting uh drug in our chat by Ant because I said I never got to the 70 star thing to beat the game. Um and I honestly just kept starting over from the beginning um over and over again. Um but also I have a well documented um, you know, uh, inability to play platformers very well. So getting some of those later levels were great, but I think I got to like 50, 60 um, uh, before restarting. Um, but yeah, this game is incredible. Um, I think I kind of like the anniversary edition a little bit better than the original, just because for some reason the camera felt better. Um, I might be just, um, what's it called? Um, recency bias on that, but you know, camera's camera is really the only bad thing um, in in the entire game. Um, and it was just the first time they tried to do 3D with a camera. And the way they came up with it was having a lack of two behind you with cameras so that you could, you know, be okay with the inverted controls for the camera. Um, and yeah, besides that, you guys spoke everything um, about it. A lot of the missions they had you go on to get the stars. Um, a lot of the Bowser levels, all that stuff was very revolutionary and one of a kind and just a great game. Um, you know, obviously I had my favorites leaning towards, you know, Super Metroid here um, for, for, for this list. But I, I can't deny that I played this game way more than I should have, um, you know, uh, when I first uh, first got it on that Christmas day. Um, so Super Mario 64 definitely um one of those games that you you must play um just to understand one where 3d gaming really got started um in terms of um you know uh top of the line platformers and just to see how far we've come um like play this and then play either odyssey or galaxy and just see how far even mario has come um from that point but well worth number one spot on our list um another five out of five game um and here's looking to see if we get a game that knocks it off the list in episode 200 guys <laughs> we <laughs> can only hope right yeah. yeah let's reconvene in the totally real real year 2027 <laughs> and um do this for episode 200 um yeah so that's our top 10 um list here um i'll go through it again um just so you guys can either discuss in the discord on twitter um, however you want to get in touch with us with it. Um, so, uh, starting at the top, number one, Super Mario 64. Um, number two, it's Super Metroid. Number three, it's Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Number four is Kingdom Hearts 1. Uh, number five is, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time. Number six is Final Fantasy 10. Number seven is Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Uh, number eight is Metal Gear Solid. Number nine is uh, Castle of Illusion, starring Mickey Mouse. And number 10 is Spyro the Dragon. Um, I guess starring Spyro the Dragon. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then our honorable mention um, is The Legend of Zelda games we played, um, since we couldn't pick one of the, the three we did play. Uh, but that's a pretty good list. Um, if you have any comments on it, like I said, feel free to reach out to us. Let us know if you have any of the games we played that we did not mention here that you want to put up here. 
Um, uh, we limited it to not include this week's Retro Roulette game because we hadn't reviewed it yet. Um, or this one would have definitely probably made it into the top 10. So, um, yeah, let's transition into that. Um, this week's Retro Roulette game was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. And I got to say, Tom, mm-hmm. um, I first time I've ever played these games that I felt myself getting better at it as nice. I went along. That's, that's good, Mark. Yeah. This, this, yeah. this is the one that where it would have happened because yeah. I feel like it's way more forgiving than the other two. Yeah, like I played one um, and then I played the remaster one and two playing through the first part of one and just got frustrated by trying to do things. But then in here, as I got to the Canada level, especially, I started figuring out like doing the grinds and then uh, grind, jump, grind, and then into a trick and getting like 20,000 points, um, which I know isn't very high in that game. You can get much higher tricks. Uh, trick point scores, but that was a lot better than anything I was doing in in the remaster, um, <laughs> and just you know learning some of the things. Um, I got frustrated. Or I wanted to get to the third level, but you know it's one of those where you needed a certain amount of stars to progress. So we ended in Canada. But um, yeah, I think the only issue I had with it, um, and it's not going to affect my score, um, was that the sheer fact that, and I guess this is how skateboards work, obviously. Um, I never had a chance to, when I fell down and I got back up, to sort of, like, get my surroundings and, like, automatically start at the skateboard. Like, yeah. you know, it, like, I was hoping for, like, a I get up and then, like, had to push a button for him to kick, you know, to well, start. There, there's a way to not move. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't figure hold, that out. If um, you hold down on the D-pad, you won't move. Okay. Yeah. So that was the only thing that was frustrating me, especially when I was trying to defeat fully by hitting the tree above him. Um, yeah. I could never line up, um, you know, the, the stuff because my guy would start going before I, I got, was able to line up. So now I know there's a button for it. Um, kind of feels like sled storm. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I love this game. Um, I would, I will probably revisit it. Um, unfortunately there's not going to be a remaster of it probably, but I will definitely revisit it just to see if I can continue getting better. Um, it is definitely the best of these games that I played. Um, so I don't know. Uh, uh, Jen, do you want to take it? Since I, I know Tom absolutely loves this game. So yeah, go last. I was excited to play this. Um, this was a game that I used to play with my brother. And admittedly, when I first played this, it was more of like me being able to steal a controller away from him for a little while and never really fully learned how to be good at the game. So similar to you, Mark, I felt myself getting better while playing the game this time around because I, you know, had time to practice and not someone trying to grab it back from me because they were frustrated at how much I sucked at it the first time. Um, But I also wanted to throw out a quick fun fact. Um, As Mark mentioned, he did stream this on our channel and Game Ball is currently the only channel on Twitch that has a VOD posted from at least the last two weeks for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. So there's 6.5 thousand followers. We should be getting a huge lift soon, right, guys? Yeah. All those people are going to flock to Game Ball because 100%. Of our video. Yeah, they're coming. <laughs> um, but going back to the game, it is a ton of fun. I think I agree with you, Mark. It's probably one of the most um, forgiving ones because I'm not great at it either. Um, yeah. But I still had fun, and again, I, I felt myself getting better at it because it was forgiving. 
Um, I, I did, I did get through to level two. Um, but the most fun that I had was just practicing doing everything correctly. Um, trying to get combos. And I do agree that at first the whole resetting you in a certain direction thing was a little bit, uh, frustrating for me, especially in the timed runs because I wanted to go the other way and it set me in, in a different direction. But I did eventually figure out that if you push down on the D-pad, it's like the brakes essentially. Um, so that did help. But overall, it was really fun. Um, I looked up online how to the basic controls, how to do, you know, basic tricks and stuff. So I had fun doing that, practicing. And this is also a game where I, I can see myself going back to it to see if I can get better, as Mark said as well. Um, the music is good as well. It was just, it was really fun to get back into this and it had that little bit of nostalgia, like, oh, I remember this. But I really appreciate this time really being able to give it my all, I guess, which sounds kind of corny, but being able to really try and play this um, and get better at it was a lot of fun. So I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, this, this is, um, I feel like it's often overlooked in the Tony Hawk space, just because four, it was kind of where everything went off the deep end and the games got huge. Tony Hawk three still felt like the first two games. And, uh, I feel like it was much more approachable, uh, and forgiving when it comes to learning how to play the game. And, uh, it's got great levels. Uh, the soundtrack is great. Uh, normally Tony Hawk games have great soundtracks. Uh, this one isn't as iconic as the first one, but it's still got a lot of great music in it. And that's one of the reasons we probably won't see it get remastered is, is all that music. Uh, but, uh, other than that, yeah, I mean, there's not, I, there's nothing else I can say that, that hasn't already been said and you should really figure out how to play it. If you can find a way to play it. If you have a backwards compatible PS3, or if you uh, if you want to dabble in an emulation, it's uh, well worth it for this game. Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, uh, percent. This game it's it's the first Tony Hawk where I actually uh, felt myself wanting to come back to it. So that definitely says something about it. Um, yeah. So let's get to our scores. I'll go first. Um, back to back. Um, I'm going to give it five out of five as well. Um, just for the sheer fact that, like you said, I played it some offline with the music. Music makes it so much better than the ambiance that I was playing with, um, uh, there. And it just gets you a little more hyped up. Um, just the fact that the controls were intuitive enough that I, like I said, I got better from a guy that didn't really play the other ones well. The levels were, were well-designed. It seemed like, like you said, the culmination of the first two games um to do this it's a little more arcadey um in the sense that um you know it, it it allowed you to do some things that you probably wouldn't really do on a skateboard obviously but um it was trying to compete to be the more fun version um than the people that like like the hardcore stuff that would play skate that was a lot more um intense and you know everything was a little more realistic and i think that's a slight downfall for that game and why this one Definitely gets a five out of five. Um, it's a it's a must play game. Um, if you like these uh, these games, um, especially um, fans fans of the series, probably have opinions on on the other two being better than this one. But I think this just getting everything just about right. 
um, and actually makes you feel a little bit powerful. And especially when you start leveling up, um, you know, the guy you got, you can level up stuff you're not good at to make that stuff a little bit easier. So, uh, uh, Jen, what do you got? So I'm going to give this one a four and a half out of five. Um, I had a ton of fun playing it. And again, just we've said it so many times, but it's a very forgiving game. It's it's great if you've never played it and you want to pick it up and learn how to play. Um, and the music was awesome. It, I think it is one of my favorite Tony Hawk games. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful for the chance to get back into it and uh, and enjoy it more than I did when I was a kid, even though I did enjoy it a lot more uh, back then as well. But um, yeah, four and a half out of five for me. I am going to have to give this, I'm going to have to give it a five out of five. There's not many better Tony Hawk games when it comes to being a Tony Hawk game. <laughs> uh, obviously, Underground and Underground 2 are very good, but they are totally different games than this. This is just a, still a straight up arcade style skateboarding game, and I don't think it gets any better than that. Yeah, so there you have it. Um, another uh, Game Vault approved game. Um, if you heard it here first, nobody's talking about this game. Um, so go play Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. So, Tom, let's spin that wheel and find out uh, what's the Retro Roulette game for the first episode past the 100. And, Tom, it looks like we just keep getting back to back bangers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my uh, favorite games. Um, I played it so much, um, and they just put it out for Nintendo Switch Online. Um, or I don't know if it's this one specifically, but at least this series is out for it. And um, I'll let you go ahead and introduce the game. Sure. We are going to be playing Super Mario Land for the Game Boy. The, the first Mario game, well, the first Super Mario game for the Game Boy. Uh, so... If you've never seen this game played before, it is very different from any other Super Mario game. And uh, I, I'm surprised it took us this long to get this one. So should be interesting. Yep. And uh, if those don't know, you don't get a fire flower in this game. You get a little Super Ball to bounce around. And so, it just keeps bouncing and bouncing and bouncing. <laughs> bouncing and bouncing and bouncing. Uh, so, yeah. Great pick there. I'm excited to stream it on Monday. Um, and... Uh, yeah, if it's not on the Switch thing, then I'll probably have to figure out another way to get it. Obviously, wink. Um, <laughs> so thank you guys for joining us. Um, it's been a fun 100 episodes. This was a fun recap of everything we've done um, here. Um, and you guys might want to listen back to this as I uh, insert eclipse into everything. <laughs> and it is now a three-hour podcast. <laughs> anyway, no, not really. As I said. Podcast is great and all, but that I tried to do previously ons for Stranger Damies, and that's uh, just way too much work um, <laughs> to do. All, it's it because we don't record in something that has like markers that yeah. I can make. Um, so anyway, thank you guys for listening. Feel free to let us know in the Discord and the Twitter what your thoughts are on our top ten Rusty Roulette games. Uh, anything you thought we missed, um, and just. Uh, general discussion on stuff like that we look forward to it um please remember that we are an affiliate of stone age gamer um feel free to click our link there if you need to get anything uh retro um or even some newer stuff um there as well um we appreciate it if, if you do click the link um before you buy and i'm um, also 
Uh, we'll be streaming. Um, Jen is definitely um, on Wednesday. I will be on Monday with Super Mario Land. Um, and then I think this weekend might be slightly busy for me. this Mother's Day weekend. Um, so um, I may or may not be starting a uh, new series. I think I might wait for the Pixel Remasters before I start doing what I want to do. Um, so look out for that. Um, without further ado, Jen... Tom, um, would you um, have any final thoughts on 100 episodes before we go? Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's incredible. It's it's a huge accomplishment that, you know, we've gone this long and, and had so much fun with the podcast. And and I want to thank everyone for listening and giving us feedback and participating in the questions that we put out on Twitter and um, our guests that we've had throughout the years. And I'm excited to see what new things we talk about going forward. And I personally know I want to do more streamer interviews and incorporate more you know, the Twitch world into the podcast itself. So that's a goal that I have for the podcast going forward. But thanks to you guys as well for making this so enjoyable and you know, turning our love of video games into something that we can share with everybody else. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I'm... Uh... I can't believe we've gone this long. This this was this was a just a random thought I had one day four years ago, and I'm really happy that everybody has stuck around this long. And can't thank everybody enough for listening and and uh, you know interacting with us and telling us what uh, what you like, what you don't like, and hanging out with us on stream. So uh, thank you everybody for 100 episodes, and I hope we can do 100 more. Yep. So we'll um, 100 down, 100 go or more it's been fun having everybody around and we'll see you next time for episode 101 bye